When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com. Today, as sometimes, I am joined by my brother, Brandon Katz, over at Parrot Analytics, who you can find analyzing analytics. Parrot uh, Analytics, Brandon is currently rolling out. B, do you want to explain what's going oh, on with yes. you this week? So this week is the start of our sixth annual Global Demand Awards. Every year we hand out awards highlighting the most in-demand uh, uh, films, TV series, and talents in the world, according to Parrot Analytics data. And every year we do a kind of a virtual festival with a theme, and that includes uh, interviewing a bunch of executives and creatives. This year's theme is kind of the globalization of content and figuring out how to program for audiences worldwide, just not in a title's country of origin. So you can check them out, out on YouTube and, and Twitter, and I'm posting them all over my socials. But some fun conversations, some insightful industry conversations uh, with a lot of smart people. When I hear the phrase globalization of content, I think of that Russo Brothers series on Prime Video with uh, <laughs> the guy from Thrones, where they like greenlit a bunch of spinoffs and prequels of the spy yes, show and surprise surprise it's complete dog shit um <laughs> uh what else we got going on this week we're gonna be talking a little true detective brandon has started mr and mrs smith maybe he could share some thoughts about that um i saw argyle i guess i could say a few words on that not good but also i don't think the complete like um affront uh, on god most people seem to suggest that the movie is uh but before we hopped on the bikes brandon was brandon and i were talking about super bowl trailers and brandon was about to say something interesting but i cut him off to make sure that he could say it on the mic so I, I think with so many uh, uh that we've seen both with the regular product commercials and the trailers that sometimes go online like 16 hours before the super bowl i don't like this trend of releasing the commercials releasing the trailer slightly before if not longer the super bowl i i don't understand why we've de-eventized well, now we're getting we're now we're getting commercial teasers which is just like, which what is the sadistic yeah how, how is the the capitalistic commodification of entertainment now led to teasers for commercials which like I, you know i'm not a communist but what the hell are we doing here guys? <laughs> yeah like today i saw one with chris pratt and pringles i saw i was watching one with ben affleck and dunkin donuts and it was literally a trailer for the commercial that they're gonna air during the super bowl like you know what's fun seeing the commercials for the first time during the super Completely bowl surprised yeah and exactly i don't know why we we put them all out there for the world to see beforehand when you you've paid what is usually between five and seven and a half million dollars for a, a 30 second spot. i will just say, i will just say though in the 10 years since i've been drinking on this day i don't really remember commercials that well it's true 
So my Anymore. my company uh, allows you to flex days. So you, if you don't, if you want to work a national holiday, you can use that day for another day. So I I worked President's Day and I'm taking the day Thank after for the Super Bowl off, which, which by the way should be its own federal holiday. It's it's like it no 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 just fucking put the Super Bowl before b- before President's Day. I, I guess with the new schedule, it's tough with 17 games. But you know what, you guys can figure it out. Wait a minute, what's the one that we have off for this month? Is that Martin? Is that President's Day? Yeah. That's President's Day, right? Uh, maybe I took off something else in January. I can't remember which one. I don't know, man. All I know no, is I expect the day. Yeah. Um, but the reason that I brought up Super Bowl commercials is Variety put out a report today of commercials that could drop, that are expected to drop during the Super Bowl. The list includes Deadpool 3, Inside Out 2, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, A Quiet Place Day 1, potentially from Universal, either Wicked or Twisters, and the uh, Sonic prequel series knuckles not counting deadpool 3 which of those stand out to you the most a lot of movies on there i i actually am really excited for honestly even maybe more than deadpool 3 uh really excited for inside out 2 i said on a different podcast recently that inside out 1 is is probably like trades places with toy story 3 as my favorite pixar movie you know of of all time uh really excited for wicked you know i i grew up a big broadway fan i got to see it with the original cast when i was in like first second grade i still remember it It was awesome uh what were some of the other ones anyone notable from that cast that's like still famous today oh Uh, kristen chenoweth Chenoweth, right yeah yeah. also in in this upcoming wicked cynthia evrio uh is in it and she's one oscar away from an egot and she would be i think youngest egot winner ever so that's pretty cool the outsider shout out um it was kingdom of the planet of the apes really excited uh quiet place day one twisters Twisters, I mean, I don't know how they do it without, um, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking on his Wait. name. No, no. The, Philip the Seymour Hoffman? Hoffman? What? No, no. Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman? No, um, she's Bill, Bill Paxton. Oh my God. Sorry. Oh, Paxton, right, right. That really? Oh my God, really sad that two- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What movie is Dennis Quaid in? Is it after... in Oh, The Day After Tomorrow. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So sad that two two very talented actors are, are dead from that movie. But um, but I am still excited. Wait, who, oh, Phil Dumoulin. Yeah. So I am still really excited for Twisters. I think that's going to be a, like a of all the legacy sequels that may actually have like the lowest bar of success because one, like the original is great, but I wouldn't say necessarily like we're having a Gladiator two sequel. I don't think Twisters has the the cultural footprint of the original Gladiator. And uh, two, you know. I think you kind of know more or less what you're getting with Twisters as opposed to some of these others, these other legacy sequels that really try to kind of reach to recreate the magic. So I'm excited for that. So, you know, uh, sadly, 2024 has about 10 fewer releases than than uh, 2023, which is already a late year. So I'm, I'm disappointed we don't have a ton of huge films to look forward to, but I think those are that's a pretty good lineup. And uh, I think I said it last week too. Guys, if you're... Thinking about seeing a movie, please go see it in theaters this year. Why Why do you say it like that? Because of everything I just said. <laughs> we have fewer releases, like theaters are hurting. Oh, oh okay, got, gotcha. No, um, no. All right, and then, yeah, I mean, for me, other than Deadpool 3, I'd say I'm probably most, I mean, I, we'll save some space to talk about the Deadpool 3 trailer in a second, but I'm probably most excited for Quiet Place Day 1 because it comes from the guy who did Pig. This is his first film since doing Pig. Cool. Um I'm still kind Man. of bummed it's not Jeff Nichols because he was originally attached to us. But uh, I, yeah, I'm excited. I got to be honest, though. I'd rather Nichols 
go off and do his own thing. That's fair. That's fair yeah, given yeah, yeah. his track record. Um, and the bike and riders also, is apparently great. That doesn't shock me. And also, while I know he did Midnight Special, and uh, Pig is the only work that I've seen of Michael, I think it's Sar- Sarnowski. Um, his his style and his tone, I feel like, just fits that world better. Um, Quiet Place is a very like ruminative uh, horror franchise, very still at times, which is what I felt um, Pig was. Now, as for Deadpool 3, I mean, <clears throat> as you will hear with my interview with Matthew Vaughn at the end of this uh, episode, he, th- he, he told me, and then he followed it up with Uproxx saying that he wished he didn't say it. Sorry, Matthew. That's <laughs> just what happens on uh, the post-game cro- post-cred pod. You get caught up in the heat of the moment. It's, it's um, the post-cred bo- pod boost. You know, you come on here, you got the magnifying glass on you, baby. Whole world's going to know. <laughs> um, but he was like, yeah, like Deadpool 3 is going to save the MCU. I've heard insane shit about it. So like that obviously tells me as an X-Men fan, I think it's going to... Considering that he is a X-Men fan, I think it's going to lean on the X-Men quite a bit. I'm sure the cat I'm sure the trailer is going to be full of tons of cameos. But the only thing that I'm really interested in, in seeing is the deployment of Hugh Jackman, right? Like, is he because this is a com- uh complicated stew a bit. You've got Hugh Jackman reprising an iconic character, but within a new context. Right, so the the version of Wolverine that we last saw in Logan, that was an R-rated version. Sure, that's going to be a lot different than the R-rated version we see in this movie. You know, those. Is, are- is he gonna like? So here's what I'm worried, and I think you make a, bring up a good point. What I don't want to see is him just essentially be a stand-in for Cable as like the straight man to Wade's think- craziness. But then I also don't want them to, to completely change it from Logan. I'm kind of in a in a pull, push and pull of like, I don't know what I want and I don't know what the right way to do it is. Well, when I spoke to Sean Levy in, what was that, November, Levy, Levy, I've spoken to him two times. I still can't get it right. Um, <laughs> he seems like a Levy. forgiving guy. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. Um, he said it's canon. He said that the film is not going to um, disrespect the memory of Logan, which suggests that it's going to be explicitly stated in the narrative of like, here is what happened with Logan Wolverine. Here is what's going on with this one. Yeah. Um, And to that end, is it going to be the same character? Is he going to have the memories of his lifetime? Of course, there's what is the dynamic between him and Deadpool going to be like? Is he going to be deployed, as you said, sort of as the straight man, which inherently is part of his character it's not like it would yeah. be out of character but but i'm i'm not talking character wise i'm talking screenplay wise i don't want him to just be used as a sidekick he could be serious but i want him to be a co-lead so all of that combined um you know it's 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 a lot to pull off but i will say that ryan reynolds is a smart guy ryan reynolds is a regardless of what you feel about his talent or his business model he's a smart guy and with that being said, I think that they're going to, at least in the trailer, the film itself is an entire hurdle unto itself. But I think the trailer is 100%, whether it leans on cameos too much or or just the right amount or not enough, I think the trailer is going to have people hyped. 
I mean, I'm I'm already hyped and we haven't even seen it. But I have a question for you. Because I think it's fair when some people say, okay, I'm, I'm growing a little tired of like the Deadpool fourth wall breaking shtick. More so because there's been a lot of imitators since. Do you think, given everything we just said about the kind of complexity and confusion around not only Hugh Jackman's Wolverine in that version, but the rumored plot of them kind of quote unquote fixing the multiverse. Do you think the fourth wall breaking exposition opportunity is actually a, a really big advantage for this type of story because i'm i'm thinking this is actually some of the best usage potential i was going to i i, I think i've said this before when deadpool 3 was first announced he's the only character that could look in the camera and say q is different now he's back but he's different <laughs> and that is usually you know they tell you show not tell deadpool might have the opposite uh appeal where half the fun is him looking down the barrel of the frame and being like here's what's going on so i i i I, I a little bit yeah yeah so that's deadpool 3 what do we got next uh argyle yeah i mean look oh wait deadpool 3 real quick spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning skip ahead 30 seconds or so these are from paparazzi photos that were taken and i just want to speak to like the narrative of the film the 20th century logo was spotted in ruins on a beach in one of the shots. That's so that Yeah, so that is a very promising, like, detail to me. Okay. I, it, it's, like, sad for, like, the state of film, but it's very funny, and I'm glad that they're leaning in. It's, yeah. You can't not uh, talk about being the first, you know, quote-unquote Disney Marvel MCU uh, uh, Deadpool film. You know, they, ha- they have to address it. Yeah. Um, Argyle, not good. Yeah, I mean, look... I actually like the King's Man most more than a lot of people seem to. I I I think that that's a fun World War One film. I believe uh, Ray Fiennes is probably in my top five, so I could watch him do literally anything. Argyle is suffering from Argyle suffers from like the um, streaming era cinematography. We're in like it just looks like it was made with um, AI. Like, it just looks uncanny to a certain extent. Um, and you combine that with its very sort of winking and nodding meta tone, and it just becomes too much of, like, a fireball of, like, current Hollywood cliches. Um, I don't think it's the abomination that people have made it out to be. I also think that this is, like, in the way that, like, Bullet Train has become huge since it landed on Netflix, right? Very similar film, I think. So I I, I, I don't think the story is written. Uh, the $200 million price tag, um, I don't think that that necessarily reflects on the movie. Like, that, that's not the movie itself's problem. But it's also the acquisition price, I believe, not, like, straight production budget. But, like, in terms of actual quality and reception, it's difficult to see how they forge forward here is it like what would you grade it on a scale of 10 yeah sure or five. five out of ten i mean that's that's pretty bad man yeah but again i'm somebody who like who's like c's are pretty good if you know 70 percent of something that's pretty good yeah but if the five out of ten is not a c but that means it's average to me a five out of ten is not failing it's average well, i mean but if we're going by the numerical grade first of all and, of 10 and then 10 you can't failing. even really achieve a 10 10 is not even achievable. I I remember walking out of secondhand lions and being like, that movie was a 10 out of 10. And you know what? More than a, a decade and a half later, I stand by that. 
That's a great movie. No, I mean, there's a few tens, of course. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a shame because Matt Vaughn seems like a really cool guy. I really liked my conversation with him. But there, there's just uh, there's too, much, too many ideas going on, too many moving parts. I will say, like, it's fun to see kind of Sam, Sam Rockwell in this mode. Bryce Dallas Howard, it's good to see her kind of get the spotlight in this way. Um, Dua Lipa, we got to put her in every movie from from here on out. Okay, I'm with that. I've never. I don't I care what character she plays. I've never seen Argyle, but I've seen Dua Lipa, and I'm not opposed to seeing her more. Um, did you watch the Grammys last night? No, nah, I, I, you know me, like I, I just don't. I, music is like my pop culture blind spot. Oh no, same, same. But I just like kept along on uh, Twitter, and Dua Lipa strikes me as like a social experiment to see how many people we could get to agree that somebody is hot. Like, I don't think I've ever seen somebody be like, Dua Lipa, not for me. You know, like even the uh, Margot Robbie, right? There are those like incel guys online who are like, actually, she's not hot. But Dua Lipa is just is just universally, unanimously women of every gender from L to Q to plus and be like, I got to get in bed with that woman. <laughs> I love that. And on, I mean, again, I didn't know that she had that like reputation, but. I guess you take one look at her and like, yeah, you know, it's 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 really it's something. Also, and, I think she has some bops. I was just gonna say that, and she's talented as shit. It's not yeah. like it's it's totally and that <laughs> that is like, what's God doing up there? Where he's like, not only am I gonna make you talented out the ass, but you're one of the most beautiful women in the world. It's, it's like, like where a, you want to talk communism? Let's distribute. <laughs> The talents of mankind a bit more. I, I understand he's become something of like a, a film Twitter villain, which whatever, that's overblown. But like Bradley Cooper, I'm like, you're an incredible actor for comedy and drama. You're you're incredibly handsome. You can play like three different instruments. You can sing at like a professional level. You can direct. Fuck you, man. It's ridiculous. Uh, okay, so that's Argyle. And then finally, True Detective, episode four. There's only two left, and finding that out had Wait, me fucking. There's only six episodes in the season. There's only six, and what? that, yeah. So doesn't that fuck up how you feel about the show? Oh my god, I, I gotta take a moment and process this information. Why is there only six? Are we? Is this so, all right. triple confirmed? So all right, go go ahead and search that for I, I mean, I for me, I trust um, you. Well, just fact check and collect your thoughts while I uh, bam for a bit. The the difficulty with a show like this and sort of oh sex yeah how is there six episodes so the difficulty with a show like this and sort of spooky supernatural stories in general is once you lift the veil it becomes I find inherently a less interesting and harder to tell story so in that sense I could understand True Detective kind of slow playing this out. But the fact is that we're halfway through the season and the main narrative, I, I, I don't think has gone anywhere. I think we've spent most of episodes two and three delving into the lives of the NS town people and all their flaws, which is fine and which is ha and, and is how you make a quality and deep show. But at the same time, when I realized like, oh, next week is the second to last one and they just got the corpses out of the... Ice rink? The math ain't mathin'. I mean, okay, so before 60 seconds ago, I was like, wow, True D season four is excellent. Like, I've loved every episode. 
that does worry me a little bit. I thought there was going to be eight episodes like the prior seasons. And yeah. I was like, oh, we're we're halfway through like plenty of season time. one is 10. What I just rewatched season is one. Is it? Actually, you you might you might be right. I I I still need to get my brain checked either way. So okay, having said all that, I think the Let fact- me just pull out my physical media copy of True Detective to double check. Oh my god, I love this. I wish everybody could see Eric. He's like a kid at Christmas. Eight. Yeah, eight. Okay, you're right. So, yeah. So uh, I again, I think it's excellent. I think they've done a really, really good job with the kind of like the three or four central characters. They've even managed to make Pryor's dad a, a modicum of, of sympathetic, even though he's still a, a piece of shit. I've loved the supernatural undercurrent. Um, the uh, the rose petal scene. I'm like, God damn, do I feel bad for this guy? Every guy's been in that situation before, so like, doesn't for give sure. him an excuse to hit his kid, but. You know, they they've just done a good job with characterization, with with utilizing the setting, with again this this undercurrent with loose connections to season one, which is cool. But man, hearing they have to wrap it up in in two episodes when we still haven't even had an extended conversation between Jodie Foster and her and her adopted daughter, you know, it's it's just been very clipped anger. No, I was gonna say I don't think that they. There's a lot of things that they haven't done. They haven't sort of further delved into what got what's the co-lead uh no navarro, navarro like why she got yeah. demoted to like a different police force entirely I they mean, have insinuated but uh, yeah we well, still haven't course. seen it right they but they have a to- i mean like i i feel like if you're gonna trickle out fl- flashbacks you've got to finish that flashback right i mean i'm um, surprised they did in an episode four i thought we were gonna finally see especially <laughs> yeah yeah um, you know, it, it's funny, my poor girlfriend, I, uh, as soon as Navarro said to her sister who took her own life, like, I'll be back tomorrow with presents. And I go, oh, girl, she, she ain't making it till then. And, yeah. uh, Nicole goes like, why are you saying that? How? And I'm like, when they make rosy yeah. plans for the future, they're never coming to fruition. I yeah. probably see that right now. I, I think in like the kind of crime drama that exactly what you're describing is equivalent to the war drama whenever a single soldier's like my girl back home like maribel like i can't wait to like oh this guy's dead in the next scene <laughs> you know every <laughs> he's like you know prettiest plum in all of georgia and you're like oh this guy's so sweet and loves his wife he's definitely dying oh she's pregnant yeah exactly <laughs> it's like, if it's like like you said it's it's okay we're talking about loved ones or we're talking about future plans you're screwed yeah so uh, I just, yeah, it, it the, 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 I, I love the atmosphere. I love the performances, the characters, the whole idea of like, not only living in a city that has such a unique environmental quirk to it, but doing it over and over again with the same people and how that affects the sort of social dynamics. Like everybody fucking hating Jodie Foster cracks me up. Such a good everybody's husband. Like, what a great detail. Yeah, I love that detail. So there's a lot of the show that I really like. I, uh, season one, season one, two, and three, writer, creator, Nick, has been talking some shit. He's like, I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's stupid to uh, tie it into season one. It's a very fine line. Right now, I think that they're doing it okay. But if they're going to, like, have the fucking swirly thing be a narrative crux in the last two and be like, here's what the swirl means. I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about the season one times? 
I'm fine with them. I think they've done a really good job of like peppering them in without overdoing it. I don't think particularly now that I've heard it's only six episodes, we're going to get that potential like theorized Matthew McConaughey uh, cameo that we even kind of discussed the possibility of. You know, again, this this threw me for a loop learning this, but I'm really rethinking how each episode has not only felt like a very, very good standalone story, but fed into each chapter and and, and built. And while, yes, I do agree, given the truncated season, I would have liked a little bit more. I'm going to go out and say, not this isn't really going out on a limb, just to say, I think they're going to stick the landing. I think we're going to like it after all is said and done, because I really think Issa Lopez is tapped into something that is both uh, familiar within the world of True D, yet very, very fresh and through a new lens. I agree with that, but part of the fun of True Detective, certainly for th- for season one, was like theorizing about who this might be or what's going on. I don't feel like we've gotten anywhere close to enough narrative meat on the bone to have those sort of conversations. I- I'm totally listen. You're talking to somebody who loves theorizing. You know, it was it was what initially drew me into Lost, which I always say was my was my first kind of serialized TV love. But honestly, man, after the last like eight, 10 years in which every project across the spectrum, whether it was prestige drama or like our, our superhero Star Wars bubble, I'm just so tired of theories and I and hypothesizing. And I've enjoyed what is a, a creative and unique and weird story in a good way, but I still think is more or less straightforward as compared to season one, to your point. So I actually have liked somewhat more streamlined. Did you like season three? I've not even watched it. I didn't even bother. Season three is solid. Uh, season three is worth watching. Season three didn't blow much off, but man, Mahershala Ali's good. I think Stephen Dorff's character, who's his where partner, the fuck has he been? By the way, yeah, I mean he was in he was in Blade, and I I, I couldn't tell you too much about what he's been in the interim, but he he's got. Oh, a you know what? He was he was he was in Swan movie. He was just in Leave the World Behind as well, which I really enjoyed. So yeah, I, I I like season season four a lot, man. But that did that did just throw me for a loop learning that. I just assumed yeah. it was eight episodes. Eey. All right, uh, B, is that all? Is that all you got? I just want to quickly, as as we kind of talked about, throw a, a shout out to my former college roommate whose name is Taylor. Uh, I had always known since we started this podcast, and since you and Cade have continued it that he was a listener. He's got very similar nerdy taste as us. What I did not know until this weekend when I saw him for the first time in in a long time is uh. He has recommended our podcast to like-minded colleagues. He works for the government. All of his uh, colleagues, you know, work for the government and are stationed around the world in different parts. So we have potentially up to about a dozen government employees in very exotic, very crazy locations around the world that may be listening to our pod because they're they're big time nerds. So I just want to shout out Taylor for that. That was a a cool little uh, tidbit to learn. Shout out, Taylor. I'll definitely have to be more careful about what i say maybe that will explain why we have listeners literally in puerto rico germany australia netherlands ireland india sweden france spain israel norway and so on um love it it. we're global baby couple pieces of uh housekeeping here coming up i've got two interviews for y'all one matthew vaughn 25 minutes probably one of the best interviews i've ever had in terms of like getting juicy stuff i got the deadpool 3 quote we talked about a henry cavill red sun movie we talked about his interest in potentially directing supergirl me being as i am i just love when these guys tell story about being regular dudes he tells me this amazing story about convincing brad pitt to stay on snatch by going to a bar that was awesome with him out all night 
Um, he tells me about how the studio wanted to cut the church scene out of Kingsman three days before the film was released. Really great chat. The other one I've got is with a director named William Eubank. He has a new movie coming out this month called Land of Bad. It stars Russell Crowe, Liam Hemsworth, uh, Milo Ventimiglia, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and he's somebody I've been following for a long time. He he makes he made that uh, Kristen Stewart sort of underwater film called Underwater. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know what we love a uh, straightforward title in these parts yeah. well because it's alien yeah. underwater yeah. so they're just like well let's just get right to the point uh he also did this movie in 2014 with lawrence fishburne called the signal which i remember fucking peeling my cap back in college he did uh the paranormal activity film in 2021 and his new film land of bad kind of reminds me of plane last year just a really lean, serviceable, February action war thriller type film. Uh, so stay tuned for that. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be having, this is somebody that uh, the website, probible.com, loves, at least based on our analytics. We're going to be having Reacher star Alan Richson for a 15-minute chat. We got Dune coming up in a few weeks. We will, uh, of course, discuss that when it comes up. I need to rewatch Dune, and I'm praying to God that I sort of reclaim it for myself and then cave said he's seeing madam webb next week so i'll just let him come on and talk shit about that if he wants tell alan richson that you know I, I don't condone steroid or testosterone use for anybody but i love that he's literally the only guy in hollywood who's just honest and upfront about it while everyone else is claiming they're I'm doing gonna ask it. him about that i'm gonna be like were, yeah. were your managers like maybe keep that one on the dl and you were kind of like eh, fuck off no i, I genuinely really appreciate like i'm being serious i, I really appreciate it. he's the only person in hollywood who's like yes th this is a an add-on to what i'm already doing and I think it's just disingenuous when everybody else in Hollywood's like, no, you just got to get a trainer and yes. like a dietitian. I'm like, get out of here. All right. So first up, we'll do uh, the interview with Matthew Vaughn. Folks, today I am joined by Matthew Vaughn, director of films such as Layer Cake, X-Men First Class, Kingsman, and his new movie Argyle, which hits theaters on February 2nd. Thank you so much for your time today, man. Thank you for having me. First and most importantly, how are you feeling about the Chelsea match tomorrow? You're a blue, I'm a red. It's a big one. Well, it's the uh, precursor, should we say, to um, then the cup final on the 25th as well. So, Let's hope for some goals this time, huh? Because those have been uh, some snoozers the last few years. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, Chelsea, we got our tail up at last. You know, um, yeah. I... Liverpool are my second team in life. So when I was really young, I did support Liverpool. Because, I was going to say, that's a tough sell. Yeah, because yeah, in the 70s, they were winning everything. So when you're young, you go, oh, I want to support the team that wins everything. And then someone said to me, but you don't live in Liverpool. You never watch them. You live in Chelsea. You should just support your local team. Uh, so I switched. Um, and from then on, I've been a Chelsea fan. Uh, I admire Liverpool. They played the most beautiful football. Um, I'm quite relieved that Klopp's going. <laughs> Maybe gives us all a chance. That makes he, one I, of us. He, yeah, he's amazing. Amazing. And are, um, are you going to Wembley? If I'm in London, I'm definitely going to be there. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Enough about the football. Uh, so what's your beef with the spy genre? Kingsman is a riff on James Bond. Argyle clearly pokes its fun at the genre too. I don't think you have a beef on it, beef with it. That's more of a joke. I think that you're simply trying to modernize and update what is a 
usually quite tradition and old school genre. So I'm just curious your connection and relationship with this genre and, and the way that you like to approach it. Well, as you said, um, I do. I love the world of espionage, full stop. And um, I I love to play with it. And, you know, and, and with this movie, I love the idea of, of sort of reinventing the tropes that I've been guilty of creating and being part of. Um, so doing a movie which is half of it fictional over the top super spies and the other half what real life spies would be like in the same situation. I thought, wow, what a fun, fun play box to play in. So that's why I did this one. Bryce Dallas Howard is your star, but she's also quite an accomplished action director in her own right with her work on the Star Wars stuff. What was it like having your lead also be somebody who understands your part of the job? And did it allow you to to collaborate more than you have with some of your stars in the past? Uh, I love it. I mean, on The King's Man, you know, Ray Fiennes is a very accomplished director. Okay. Uh, so it actually it makes it easier because you can say I'm doing this and that and they understand it immediately. And sometimes they'll spot something that I've missed as well. And Bryce is like a, you know, like a hawk looking at everything and, and, you know, um, making sure everything's perfect as well. So we were like kindred spirits and, and pushing each other and protecting each other. So um, it was very enjoyable. Speaking of your other lead, Sam Rockwell, who is just the ultimate, oh, he's in this fuck yeah guy. Tell me yeah. about the sort of light bulb aha of turning him into an action star. I know he once did that sort of action rom-com uh, with Anna Kendrick, I think, but this is an entirely new level for him. So were were there any sort of unexpected um, action stars that you had thought of besides him or was it always Sam? Well, action stars beside, you know, if you name name an action star like him. <laughs> so, um, well, right, I'm saying like somebody that you yeah. wouldn't expect. No, that was the whole point is, is, is I needed the antithesis of Henry Cavill. Sam Rockwell. Um, you know, when even when we're doing press together and they're standing there and giggling going that if people say, what's the movie? I went, hey, you guys stand there. This is the movie. OK, yeah. um, so um, and and I knew Sam when, when you know, when I work on movies, I think of I try to think of, of legends. Right. So that, I, you know, as an inspiration and. And, you know, for, so for me, Argyle slash Henry Cavill was 50% Connery, 50% more. You know, Roger Moore and Sean Connery molded together. And Aiden Wilde, which is Rockwell, I said, look, I need 50 to 60% Gene Wilder and then a 20% Bill Murray and 20% Steve McQueen. Yeah, because he he does the kick-ass stuff well. Like, you totally buy it. I know that it's supposed to be a bit of a subversion, but both the long-haired, scraggly version and the clean-cut guy at the end, he looks jacked and the nice, bright shirt. Yeah. I'm like, I buy both versions of, of this yeah. guy. Exactly. Well, he's meant to... Uh, the fun about this is the super spy and the non-super spy, they have the same destination, and they're going to get there. They just take a different path, so you say. And yeah. he can he can navigate all paths. So uh, another one of your leads, Brian Cranston, like I imagine for many men my age and just alive at large is one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, I'd love to just give you the floor to talk about your experience with him. And if there's anything that he brought to the role that made you think, ah, 
That is why we paid Brian Cranston. Brian and Sam Jackson are very similar beasts that they will elevate anything that comes out of their mouths. Um, They're both extremely intelligent and masters of their art. I mean, masters. And like, for example, the shotgun scene, half of that was in him it was in he was improvising and i was like what are you doing and he said i got this idea and i'm going to turn around and walk off that's awesome and i was like yeah okay do it so um so uh yeah brian you know playing a villain can sometimes be predictable and boring i think um but he made it unpredictable and and exciting well i do want to say i enjoyed the meta-ness which is a huge part of this film of casting brian and Catherine as evil parents given their roles in Home Alone and Malcolm as sort of like the epitome of like typical Americana mom and dad. Um, yeah. Are you a Breaking Bad fan? Is that a dumb thing to ask? <laughs> yeah. Yes and yes. Uh, so, yes. Anthony Hopkins once famously wrote Brian to praise him for his work on that show. Did you nerd out with him at all about its work on it? I didn't. I didn't because I think when an actor's in a role and you're doing something new to discuss too much, you know, what from the past and stuff. I think it, it, it gets, it, I think it can cloud things. For sure. I also think when you're an actor, having a fanboy direct you is probably a little bit scary. So the, the times like, you know, even happened on Kingsman when I looked through the, the camera, the first one, and I saw Mark Hamill. And I was like, I'm fucking directing Luke Skywalker. <laughs> uh, and then I went, oh no, play it cool. Play it cool. Don't, don't jump around with excitement. So, you know, as a director, you have to sort of have a facade of calmness when you direct. So no matter how, <laughs> I mean, because it is, you know, directing, you've got all these people relying on you to get the job done. So you have to, you got to lead. And so, you know, um, afterwards, we'd go out for a, for a, he has a very nice mezcal. And we'd, <laughs> we'd go out, yeah, and, um, and we'd chat. And we'd talk about stories of filmmaking as well, and and because he's seen it all and done it all, um, and it was it was I mean a real privilege working with him. Yeah, I mean the 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 casting of your films is incredible, and like you said, to draw the line between him and Sam to have those two in the same film is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Argyle has a fantastic set piece on a train, which has always been one of my favorite locales for a set piece. How does that like? How do you go about? in reinventing a traditional sort of staging and are there any of your influences that can be found in this scene well this one i knew would be unique because we had the blinking so you get to see the same action sequence twice through a different interpretation by the actors or the characters for how to fight so i knew that would give it an edge that no one's well. I haven't seen it before. Maybe you have another movie, but I haven't yet. Um, so I knew that would would make it different, and also be able to put some humor into it. Whether it's the cat or the the girl suddenly, you know, giving him a kiss and and playing with the sort of the cliches of a super spy versus a a scruffy spy. Let's call him. Um, was I, I think that's that was what would make it original. Plus. Um, it's not easy shooting on a train because they're quite narrow and confined. Um, so I was so I, if I wouldn't have done if we didn't have the um, as I said the, the the two action sequences in one, um, I probably wouldn't have would have wouldn't have done a train sequence. You kind of touch on what I wanted to ask next. A, a, a lot of your films, I feel like, have a unique 
set piece in them. So I'm curious of how that creative process starts for you and how you come up with these without relying too much on CG, which is something that audiences are becoming increasingly sensitive to. So <laughs> there's a longer question answer to this question than it should be. So I'll try and edit myself for a second before I answer <laughs> it. Um, I think the new future of movie making is no CG that I think CG is for when you have, you know, if you cannot do it, like I'm well, not, that's I'm how like, it started. Yeah. And, but it, that's what, and those last, the non CG movies don't age. Um, like even I remember watching Beverly Hills cop with my son and the, you know, the, the truck sequence. And he's like, my God, that looks like they did it for real. I went, they did. Um, and Spy loved me. Oh my God. Yes, they skied off a cliff with a parachute. So this movie has a lot more CG in it than I would have liked it to have, purely because it was, we just shot this at the end of lockdown, so we weren't allowed to travel. Um, and there's certain things you're not allowed to throw cats off buildings. Um, so there are things... So my rule from now on will be only if there is no other way to do it. I will I will do it. And actually, you said you were watching X-Men First Class, but there was a sequence in there, um, and how far you got into it, but it was in the beginning when um, Shaw uh, is in, in, in his office and little Magneto, he crushes um, a filing cabinet and then the whole thing comes alive. That was all done in camera. Right, there was no CG. And I and it was all set up, and and the guy and the um, special effects um, gentleman said, yeah, yeah, that's going to crash. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And I was thinking it'll, it'll probably look a little bit hokey. And we're going to fix it all with CG, and we went action. And at the end of the take, Kevin Bacon turned around and went, "What the fuck just happened?" And I we were all like, "Oh my god!" I mean, seeing the like, the, I mean, the, it was know, all in camera that. And I remember I was just we were like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" And, and and your point to stuff that last that scene stands the test of time as one of the iconic X-Men scene, you know. It, yeah. it, it, it uh wow, that's very cool to know. All right. Spoiler section. Don't worry, this is not going to come out until the film does, so you are free to discuss it if you wish, if that's okay with you. Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Uh all right. So connecting to the Kingsman franchise, can you clarify that post credit scene for me? Is the next Kingsman movie about a young Argyle? Is book one, the movie, a Kingsman crossover? What's going on here exactly? Well, I don't want to tempt fate, so I will be a little bit... Uh, and also, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know, if I gave you the punchline to a joke before the setup, it's pretty, it doesn't really work very well. So um, what I would say is the only clue I'd give you is Argyle wears very beautifully made tailored suits okay so if you're gonna have the world's best tailored suits where would you go i want to give you props for that man because you're just like you know what you're like you guys want franchises fine i'll do it for you 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 yeah. want stuff to cross over sure let's do it but it's it feels unique to you like so i feel like where a lot of people might have a cynical view of that being like oh of course it crossed over me just being a fan of this shit i was like of course I yeah. uh in the in the third act where there's that colorful fight scene in like a porcelain white hallway of a secret villain hideaway, I'm like, 
this guy's a smart man. There is no way that there are these visual cues and homages without these connecting some way or, or some way, shape or form. So there, there was a part of me that felt that. But then when you just went for it, I was like, hell yeah, man, I'm in. Um, mm. Speaking of the Kingsman franchise, you've had Colin Firth, you've had Ray Fiennes, you've had Mark Strong. Who is the next beloved acclaimed British actor born between the years 1960 and 1965 that you're hoping to cast next? Please never stop. It is my favorite part of these films. They had to be born between the years 60 and 65. That's just what you're doing, man. I'm just um, connecting the dots. <laughs> no, well, but seriously, who, you know, uh, do uh, you uh, have uh, someone? What year, is, what year was Hugh Grant born? <laughs> there, there, you go, there you go. That will be the, you know, um, yeah, there is. I mean, the next Kingsman is the conclusion of, of the Eggsy and Harry story. So, so, and there are some surprising new characters that we are introducing. Um, the only problem is Taron's become so bloody successful it's finding time in his diary now. Oh, it's part it's partly it your fault because you helped them make Tetris. Well, Tetris, Rocket Man, and the Kingsman. And, yep. and it's the Eagle. I mean, boy. No, of course. We've done more together than I just realized. I actually spoke um, to uh Dexter this past year. Great guy. Yeah, lovely. I mean, great actor as well. Yeah, yeah. He told yeah. me this amazing story about his work on uh, Elephant Man and how Lynch like picked someone, some old man off the streets of London because he likes the way that he walked by with his dog. Wow. And he was like, get a costume on this guy. Do you want to be in a film? And the bloke was like, what do you, you know, just curmudgeonly said, what are you talking about a movie? But he got him. Really? In there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, 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 wow. really, really cool story. Um, wow. That's cool. The, yeah, the Freebird scene is probably one of the most beloved action scenes of my whole life. Uh, and, and not just me, film fans at large. Was there a particular moment where you were like, holy shit, man, I've got an all-timer here? But no, actually, it's the opposite, because that was the first thing we shot on Kingsman. Oh! Uh, yeah. And by the way, the train sequence was the first thing we shot on Argyle. Uh, so, but that's kind of good. You get it done with, yeah. and then it's all... No, I say, if you start now. with a tricky, big scene, it gets... It just blows, you know, clears the pipes and we're in it, and you got to concentrate. And we're also not exhausted, so we've got a chance of maybe making it mm. work. But, you know, the thing about the, the church sequence, you know, the studio were begging me to cut it three days before the film came out. So they were all very worried about it. And so, and when a lot of people say, oh, you shouldn't have this sequence in a movie, you know, we're all, you know, people's, you know, opinion is, you know, creative opinion is everyone's right and everybody's wrong. You know, it's, 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 there's no, you know, but some people love other people hate, but it's, you know, it is what it is. That's art. And a lot of people were saying, telling me, you can't have the church sequence. So there was a moment I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't put the, put it in the movie. But in the end, I went, nah, I really like it. I'm keeping it in. What a, what a, no offense. Same thing, on, by the way, same with this movie. A lot of people told me to cut out the- um, terrible the, notes. I'm sorry to no, them. No. <laughs> well, I know that's why it's hard, but I was, I had a lot of people trying to persuade me to cut out the oil skating in, in Argyle. Yeah. I... <laughs> All the stuff that makes your films new and fun. Let's get him out of there. Uh, yeah. Tell me about getting Colin Firth to say the line, I'm a Catholic whore currently in Congress out of wedlock with my black Jewish boyfriend who works in a military abortion clinic. And the way he nails, so hail Satan and have a lovely day, madam. Just like, come on, man. That's so yeah. good. So hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon, madam. That's Colin, that's fine Colin Firth. I mean, the idea that, you know, to say that with... You know, such a dry English wit um, oh, that um, Jane Goldman wrote that line. I wish I could say I don't think I could write it in such a poetic manner as she could <laughs> um, and definitely couldn't say it as well.
Uh, all right. What, what do we got next year? X-Men. You obviously have a connection to them having made one of the best films in the franchise while also having a hand in writing the other. I was just wondering if there's what you think about the impending arrival of them in the MCU and how you think characters as iconic as them should be deployed in this new age. Because of what they stood for at the start and how, and yeah. what, you know, what the well, times were now. ironically... What they stood for in the start couldn't be more relevant to the modern times. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so I hope whoever makes the 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 new X Men that they do it in the spirit of reflecting the times of the times of division and the times which we have now. There's different ways of solving problems, which um, I think X Men addressed brilliantly. Um, the few snippets that I know about Deadpool and Wolverine is unbelievable. And oh. I think they are, I, I think, uh, I think Deadpool versus Wolverine or Wolverine versus Deadpool. I'm sure that argument's happening as we speak between Ryan and Hugh, uh, what it should be. Between Ryan and Hugh um, or the suits? Yeah. Um, but no, I would say, I know that's going to be the, um, what are those paddles? What are they called? You know, when you when you have oh, a the, hard... uh, the CPR thingies, yeah, yeah, whatever. The, the that's going to be the jolt to the 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 Marvel universe is about to have a jolt of them, and it's going to bring that body back to life. Wow! And then I think if they follow that up with the new X Men movie, um, and I think great hell of a tease for. I, yeah, look, I wish I was. I'm not involved. You want their the, books, Matthew? Yeah, you you secretly. No, I'm just kidding with you. No, Are there I love. Any... But you know, the thing is, I'm a genuine fan of the X Men movies. No, so I know, I, all I want is for the X Men movies to be as good as they should be. And and I think um, Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman are about to save the whole Marvel universe. Are there any particular X Men that you're excited to see on the big screen, whether it be again or for the first time? I, I well, no, I, I'm always. I'm intrigued how, and I love Hugh as Wolverine. Absolutely love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. And you Hugh. were close w with Mark. Logan is just an all-timer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but for me, the new Wolverine will be the thing I'll be very intrigued about. And whether it goes more to the, you know, the shorter stuff. Are you trying era. to pitch your friend Taron here or what? Um, Taron could nail it. I don't know, you know, if he wanted, um, but I... Yeah, that would be the character. I think the new interpretate because Hugh Jackman has so made Wolverine himself that um, that hard, hard shoes to fill. So if I was making the movie, I'd make them smaller shoes. Mm. I can't believe I'm going to be the first one to get you on this, but you have categorized yourself as a quote Superman nut. Supergirl mm. is currently trying to find a director over at Warner Bros. Any interest in that one? But well, it's funny you say that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Millie Alcock. Oh, huge there you go. yeah, huge fan. I even met with her about this other project we're, we're working on, and um, awesome. she, yeah, she turned me down. So, which was sad. Which is maybe this eight. is why, though. Um, maybe this is why. Um, she's a fabulous actress, fabulous actress. So you know they. But then again, I do find it very weird if they haven't got a director. That surprised me because you shouldn't cast a movie. Uh, the director should be casting the movie. So that, I don't understand who cast it if there isn't a director. That's weird. So, was it, so, so is that a plead the fifth type type thing just to try to nail you down here? Uh, no. Uh, but, uh, normally, uh, I was asked about doing The Flash and um, way back, but I said mm -hmm. I'd only do it if I can recast, not because I think everybody's brilliant, but I, if I'm directing a, 
superhero film film i want my own new superheroes so um but millie alcock i would have probably put forward for it if i was directing so um i hadn't considered it never say never I, i'm a big fan of james gunn and saffron so yeah i wouldn't say, you know i would consider it and uh i mean i know that they said that they would do elseworlds type stuff i didn't even write this down like are you a red sun guy like is that an approach you red would sun, try to take um i thought red sun was one of the cleverest comics i'd ever read and again with the cu current world we're living in exactly suddenly it's become a lot more relevant because exactly. you know ignorance causes more issues and i think the more we learn about russia and the russian history um wow yeah. could you imagine you imagine remaking red sun with henry cavill the ching i don't know what you want me to say here man like exactly now we're cooking with gas oh. i love that look on your face because no, <laughs> that got me that would be an interesting movie that would that would i Oh, man, you would be kicking the hornet's nest with that one, to say the least, yeah. though. Uh, yeah. I want to reach way back. Man, there's so much stuff that I could ask you here, but I would be so disappointed with myself if I did not ask you about Snatch. I don't know how widely known this is. You produced that film. I've got to ask about Brad Pitt on my side of the pond, and I'm sure yours. He is just the greatest. Tell me about being able to land him and seeing him in character for that first time and so on. Well, ironically, Brad called guy up right mm. Instead of, you know and and then we had this surreal moment where we went to meet brad in his manager's office and he said and he we're, we're like can we believe this and then brad was like i want to do whatever you're doing and and then guy was like well we're doing this thing and there's a thing called and mickey and and he started acting out what mickey would be and brad just went great i'm in and then we left and i was like i remember guy and i going is this for real? Is this really happening? We've, we're doing another little small movie and we now have Brad Pitt playing an Irish bare knuckled boxer. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. But what was really crazy is the day before filming, Brad pulled out and I ended up sitting in a pub with him very, very late with a lot of um, Guinness being drunk, persuading him not to leave because he was worried he wouldn't get the accent right. Yeah, it's way back. I can't really understand much of what is being said. You tell me. And, and but he did but in, and that's what was phenomenal about brad he has such humility and such a desire to do things properly um and um anyway he said yes i don't know whether he was so drunk when he said yes but he did say i was gonna yes. say did he find um, the voice that night by just being so drunk he's he, like oh uh, got he, it now <laughs> he, he already had it but it was a pretty extreme voice you know what he went i mean it was so extreme that when we showed the first cut to the studio I had the chairman of the studio saying, you need to subtitle him and revoice him. And we're like, no, but that's the joke. You're not meant to understand him. And they were like, we are not releasing a Brad Pitt movie where you can't understand a word he says. And we're like, well, and now that's it. like what Snatch is known for. It's like Brad Pitt's yeah. iconic voice. Good God. Hey, Matthew, I'm going to say it's a good thing that you have, you have pushed back on notes along the way throughout your Sadly, career. Sadly, I've spent all my life pushing back on notes but well, it um, is paid it is paid off well sir your films are so fun you make movies for theaters which as you say like because you think that the future of film is no cg i hope that we're going back in that sense in terms of seeing movies in theaters which is what you do well thank you so much for your time today man thank you as well cheers matthew okay I don't know if you get this a lot. Um, I've been following you since love. Oh, wow. Amazing. I oh, was that's a crazy. 
I was a huge Angels and Airwaves fan back in the day. Uh, oh, wow. No first, first blink, of course. So we will get all to all that stuff in a bit. However, I want to talk to you about your general career before we dive in film by film. Okay. You, you've now done a sci-fi film, a creature feature, a horror movie, and a war film. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm curious about like just the sheer kind of breadth of that and why. No, you, thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. and why you have decided to take this approach to your career. You know, I just frankly, like I love, uh, I love filmmaking with all my heart and I love, I love so many different types of, uh, I just love all the like, you know, different versions of, of stories, you know, and like making people feel different things, you know, and I honestly truly believe and you're going to laugh at this, but I, I think I'm sort of in my heart, like a funny guy, you know, like working with me, like when we're on set, like, I think I'm not saying I've got the best jokes, but I think I'm like a, I have humor in me. And so eventually I swear to God, I'm going to do a, a comedy that, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll be shocking. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but is that a real plan of yours? Like, do you really, no, no, I'm actually super serious. It's hard for me to get those scripts. Like, um, and look, as I've gotten deeper into my career, it's like, you know, I love to write obviously, but you know, you read so many other great writers work that you're like, you're constantly, you know, you want to get that project or you're like, oh my God, that's so good. Please give that to me. Like if I could tell you the pitches that I've been on, like, which I can never say, cause you have to sign all these like NDAs and things. There's some movies that have slipped through my grasp that I'm like, ah, damn it, damn it, damn it. Uh, but you know, eventually I'm going to get one and, uh, you know, do my, uh, yeah, do my comedy film or do my you know something that's a little more humorous but it's definitely a good time to say that though because comedies are quietly sort of starting to come back so i think so yeah you know and even like romantic comedies that sydney sweeney film did really really well 150 million yeah so um pumped on that because she's like i love these romantic comedies as stupid as they are or as great as they are you know plus it's a low cost high high yield just like horror honestly oh yeah um so what came to you first the love of writing or like a love of no definitely filmmaking. writing yeah. definitely visual uh the thing is writing is a means to an end for me always kind of has been it's like if you can't get that project you have to write it you know mm. uh, this film particularly was sort of born out of a weird thing i was we were filming the signal and it was like i had done some of those scenes uh you know, some of these crazy scenes and I would like be driving home at like six in the morning and just be like after shooting all night. And I'm like, this film's so weird. I'm never going to work again. I need something. I need something more like to bite my teeth into. That's like, you know, will be just more normal, you know? And at the time, so that's a pretty long time ago. Drone warfare was really getting going. And that's how we started writing this. We were writing this in a cafe in New Mexico, um, David Frigerio and I, and it was kind of just born out of the fear that, you know, the follow-up movie maybe, maybe needed to be, you know, more mainstream or something. And, and then uh, next you did Paranormal, right? Uh, no, after I did Underwater. Oh, so okay. There was a right, long right, right. period actually from Signal to Underwater. Yeah, yeah. A lot of crazy things happening at that time. But um, yeah, so we wrote this and then we kind of abandoned this because good, that movie Good Kill came out. So we were like, oh, darn. They already kind of like made this movie. Is that about the one with pers- uh, Helen Mirren? Oh, okay. 
but so in the end like i was thinking like ah, i guess they've already kind of done the you know the perspective of a drone operator and uh okay i guess I, i'll go do something else and you know a lot of other things happened and then you know good kill was nothing like this film and when it really came down to it it was like that film really honed in on like the psychological aspect of being a drone operator and what's so interesting on this film we worked with all these drone operators and they were like yeah it's not like that at all you know like you go through so many psych evaluations and so many things that like you're just doing your job and you you love the work that you're doing as crazy as that work is um and so yeah we realized like through talking to like real drone operators and real jtacs that like you know it's you know, people by the time they get to that state where they're doing these like delta things and secret missions you are you are at some level of you know mindset if you will right so i mean I would imagine it's hard to make a war film and not think of the war films that have come before. What are no, some, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, what are some of your touchstone ones, and did you work in any homages into your film, or the opposite? Do you try to go as unique and as new as possible? Yeah, I mean, look, my favorite war film of all time is Thin Red Line, without question. You know, but at the same time, you're always trying to like do what you need to do for the type of film you're doing you know and this film was more this film truly wanted to be a little bit more of a um you know 90s action thriller behind enemy lines like nailed it you got nothing but you got eyes in the sky and those that's your only weapon really you know and um so in that regard it was uh you know my favorite war film thin red line it's like you kind of the you can't really get into that, you know? Um, but it's in my photography genes, I think, the the soul of some of those bits is there. Um, you know, I think I have one glance up to some pretty trees in this and, um, you know, nature as like this counterpoint to the madness that we as humans and people create. Like it's still, you know, I nod to it tiny, but just for me, really. Uh, Black Hawk Down, obviously huge. Ridley Scott, as usual, is always like my greatest, you know, inspiration. Like yep. watched, I couldn't, I I forgot how stylized that movie was when I went back and looked at it. It was like, you know, so hyper stylized. You have like these scenes that are just like all blue and all green and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, he was doing so much crazy stuff on that movie. He was like shooting like lights down into you know mirrors and having like bloomy you know red stuff all over a room but i'm like okay it's i can't crazy. go that stylized but it's crazy to but think he's that obviously he's... an inspiration to my my work as usual so it's nuts to think that he was 65 or something when he made that oh, he's like i'm just 85 and he's still cooking <laughs> unbelievable yeah unbelievable um, where did you guys shoot this because something i found about your films since you built a space station in your driveway i feel like you use setting very well so oh, and thank I, you and, and that's yeah i think i'm obsessed with tunnels i started thinking about it on this film i'm like every single film i do there's like tunnels in it you know or mines or something mm. literally paranormal. yeah for real this film uh there's i love i i don't know what it is but think like love we got tunnels in the opening of that film we got tunnels in the spacecraft there's something I can't escape from being in these like little tubes. They just are like, so I don't know. Maybe I need to see a therapist or something and they can talk to me about what's going on. But 
Yeah, I love building these. Tunnels. I don't know if you want that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's too crazy. But uh, yeah, I, I love building. You know, maybe it's because it's just in my brain. Like I love building sets. I love controlling like how you know the shapes of like you know the walls and and um, yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah, we shot in Australia. Um, mm. Ah, that explains it. Yeah. Shot in Australia. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, it was a tough time to shoot there because there was, everything was being shot there because at the time, uh, thing, yep. the dollar, well, it was because the dollar was 66 cents on the dollar. Oh shit. I didn't know that. Wow. So your dollar went very far there. So everyone was there. Disney was all over the place. Huh. Everyone was there. I mean, it was crazy. We had to shoot our scenes that we built. We had to shoot them in a, like below, like in an event center at like a horse racetrack. And so we couldn't shoot on days that there were big horse races. <laughs> yeah. So it was just great. You know, it's always, it's always something. And, uh, but, but it was wonderful shooting there. I mean, they do have a lot of weird bugs and they have land leeches, which I didn't know about, but I quickly found out about it was pulling leeches off my legs all the time. I'm not in any water. Is I'm that the first time, is that the first time that, that you had been there? Yeah, no, you know, for love, we did a small press tour in Australia. Oh, really? Okay, wow. Yeah, I'd been able to go down there for that, but but otherwise, I really hadn't spent any other time in Australia. So, so uh, uh, Russell Crowe, man, is that like a pinch me type thing, or you know, he's it was awesome. I'll tell you that. Like, we had almost gotten another thing going together that maybe someday we'll do called World Breaker, something else I wrote, but we almost got that going. It fell through. And when this kind of started to come to, I sent the script to him and he was like, he's like, no, I, you know, I'm super busy right now, Will, but it's always great to be loved. And, and let me, um, I'll read it and I'll let you know. And then he actually hit me back the next day and he was like, man, I really, really like this. I like kind of like the questions it asks. Um, I'm in, you pull it together. I'm in. So, I mean, that helps know. pull it all that did that's always how it works it's like that's how the business is you know it's like um so fortunately through a small relationship i'd kind of gotten with him on something previously um i was able to make this sort of start to push forward and he is so good man like he just he never quits it's like the craziest thing you know he just you'll keep doing takes and he'll be like you'll be like you'll find one that you love and you're like dude Thank you. So good. And he'll be like, William, please, please. Two more takes. I promise it'll be 15% better. <laughs> you follow him on Twitter? He just he just seems like such a, for such a larger than life yeah. personality, he seems like such a down-to-earth guy. No, he's awesome. He's so cool. I love him so much. Yeah. He works so hard. He respects hard work. Um, yeah, he's just, he's lovely. Like, he'll, he'll you know, he's just, he'll sometimes like be singing him in between takes and talking about, you know, amazing plays and amazing stories or books. He's, he has so much knowledge. It's like, you realize he really is a real, you know, Renaissance man. Yeah. You know? for He's sure. full of so much zest for life and love and things for people. You just like, feel like you, you man, I swear to God, while you're working with him and you start to get in those amazing takes and you see the control over not just his voice, but every little tiny detail and how honed he is on it. You're like, whoa, this is 
a craftsman and this is this is like why he's won academy awards you know you're like yeah. you see it yeah and you're like wow it's really inspiring honestly perfect that checked off what i was gonna ask next which was is there like a moment you had where he's like ah that's why he is who he is yeah so absolutely basically the whole thing um tell me about the delicacy in directing a story about the armed forces is i assume that there's some kind of consultant on board and if so what oh yeah you, absolutely what do you lean I mean, on them for you know we kenny is actually named after a real guy named kenny who's a jtac who called us when we started writing the story because there had been like a tiny press release that there was going to be a jtac story and he saw it somehow so we went out to fort Irwin a million years ago i'm like 30 pounds lighter and I'm at Fort Irwin with this huge helmet on my head and bombs are being dropped from airplanes around us. I mean, it's the craziest shit ever, dude. He just took us and th we went into it like real training shit with real dudes. Uh, we learned so much shit. We learned about like the difference between Marine JTACs and Air Force JTACs and met so many amazing people. Um, and then at night we were out there for like almost two weeks and at night we would like go to Buffalo Wild Wings with the with the guys. And, you know, it was just so cool. It was such an immersive world of like learning about these guys. So in the end, when it came to filming, we were able to get Kenny to come out and advise the guys. Um, we had some amazing sort of retired, uh, you know, special operations guys who were advising uh, my little brothers in the military himself. And, you know, we actually got a real drone pilot who had been working at Creech forever and he came out and uh, worked with Russell. So, you know, there's plenty of Hollywood in the film, of course, but there's also a ton of actual realistic stuff that sometimes you're like, you know, like the line, you know, I'm, I'm Winchester, which means I'm out of ammo, you know, and that's a testament to Russell actually right there. It's like, you say the line because you say I'm Winchester and everyone knows in the, in the business what that means. I'm out of ammo, but nobody else really knows what that means. So, you know, Russell, he's such a, he's so good where he'll be like, I'm Winchester. I'm out of ammo. You know, he'll, he'll just add the clarity himself, you know, like he yeah. just, it's not in the script, <laughs> but, uh, that's but why anyway. you pay those guys though. That's, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. my point. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So lots of, you know, real, real work put into a real, real great advisors who are really putting all the details in as it would be, even from the set builds, everything. So, so uh, cool. let's, let's move back one to uh, underwater. I mean, this is like a genuine question is Kristen Stewart being in her underwear. Is that a direct homage to Ripley? It's gotta be right. For sure. Okay. Have you Without been asked question. that before or like, what's that? Have you been asked that before? I'm sure you have. I don't know. I probably not. But, you know, uh, the reality is getting in those suits, like you really like can't fit in those. No, suits for sure. Unless, for sure. But it's like, you know, it's hard to make a creature stuff. feature. Yeah. It's hard to make a creature feature and have your lead be a woman and look like that and not. Yeah. But that's what's so cool about Kristen, man, that she's such a freaking baller. She was it's awesome. Like, I did yeah. not know that There's, she had that gear. No, she's so freaking metal. It's just awesome. Like, we made that movie. We know we're making this like pulpy, heavy metal, freaking underwater opera. And she was just so on board with it that it's just like, oh, she's a badass and she freaking knows it. So we can like put this dope shit in the film and have it just be pulpy awesomeness. To my and, point uh, about uh, about your settings feeling very real, how big was this set? 
Which one? The the under like the 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 ships. Oh, oh, oh those huge. I mean, we took a whole Lowe's up for that. That like an old abandoned Lowe's that was destroyed during the the floods. Dude, I could uh, tell. In fact, man. there were clocks. There were clocks in the Lowe's that were like still had the flood water in them. It was so yeah. crazy. Wow. They, they were kind of you know left there for that reason to remind people what the water level went up to so anyways gigantic underwater sets just huge dude ever since you started i really feel like you know how to stretch your budget to oh thank you yeah your films because the one thing that i noted was these suits are incredible the way that they have a freedom of movement in those yeah they're they're hard i was really struck by so how i mean is that just like like hiring the right teams Absolutely. I mean, you design them, you draw them, you make your imagination, and then you then you work with the right craftsman, you know. And in this case, that was uh, Legacy Effects, who had done uh, Stan. You know, they were the old Stan Winston, Stan Winston company. Um, but yeah, they just knew how to make it. And, and the the crazy thing is, we had some foam ones, but those were only at the very end. So most of the movie, they're walking around in a hundred pound suits. You know, yeah, really um, wild. Damn, I've unfortunately got a wrap in a couple minutes here. So let me pick which of my bunch I need to hear from. Uh, if they make a movie about the ti- Titanic submersible, do you think you're the most qualified given your experience with imploding people? Oh, God. No, underwater? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. That's so. <laughs> That's a oh joke. That's just a no, joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell yeah. me so the signal. Let's wrap on that one. I remember being in college, that one just blowing me and my friends. To, to fucking pieces man oh, thank um you, man. and you touched on it like and this is something that always fascinates me with twisty films can you ever really know if it's gonna work before you shoot it because you had said i'm driving home every night like oh yeah man, no crazy. you can't know yeah no. yeah 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 and then at the end of the day you just have to trust like what you enjoy you know and i it, i just you just try to make characters that you like you try to make stories that you find interesting and then you you have to hope there's a lot of hopium i guess you could say but at the end of the day if you're enjoying it you know if underwater the signal land of bad it's like you're always just trying to like get to characters that you enjoy and you want to watch and there's inevitably things that you fight along the way to get them closer to what you enjoy and sometimes they they veer and you're like oh no this is so off the rails and not what i was expecting but then you really cut try to drunken monkey and Try to go, okay, if that's where this is becoming, let me lean into that then. Um, so you never know, but you would try to, you try to like, you know, it's like being a, you're just in a jet and you're trying to land the damn thing, but you don't know how to fly, but you, you got to try. So, you so, throw it into the ground. Yeah. So, so I do want to wrap here with one last thing. Actually, I've got time. Sure. Love. And I touch on this building a dry, building the set in your driveway and just the very gorilla way that that was shot and as you just touched on sort of building the plane as you fly it when you look back on that time what do you think to yourself are you like what the fuck like holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. No, i really think like i think i'm really lucky to tell you the truth like i'm really lucky that social media wasn't really it was right before like mm-hmm. people were they had just enabled facebook to be for people beyond like college college right that was right at that time and so I went on, on underwater. I went back to music school uh, just kind of for fun while I was editing. So I was going to night school doing music school. And I realized like, man, kids have it so hard today because your social media builds these like, you know, you're able to like 
monitor everything from it. And whereas like when I was making that set in my parents' backyard, I didn't know if this was the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it. I just had a story and I was going to try to tell it, you know, and there was no social media saying, well, that's a dumb idea. Or what are you doing? Or, or maybe now I could be like famous for doing that. I don't really know, but there was I mean, no so high concept too for a first film. Oh, thank. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what we were thinking, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fortunate. You know, my dad thought I was crazy, but then, you know, you build it and you're like, Every I'd be building during the day and at night I'd be like tweaking my I didn't even have a script. I just had paragraphs and I'd always be like tweaking what was going to happen. And, you know, and then the other thing about that set is like we only had so much set. So we always had to like be moving around and using mirrors and things. And so there was the puzzle piece of moving the set and then having that have to do with when he had a beard and didn't have a beard. And it was so crazy. Like I learned a lot about the orchestration of shooting and what orders to shoot in and all that jazz. But yeah. Well, man. So like, anyway. yeah, that I've been following you since then seeing you, Paul, uh, thank you. As somebody who wants to be on your side w- one day, seeing you just like literally forge your career out. What I feel is like very much on your own will is awesome. Not uh, to make a No, appreciate your, that. You're, your you're too kind. You're and I, uh, kind, so. I, I really enjoyed this film. I didn't have time to get on the two-on-two knife scene. That was fucking sick. I'm psyched for people to see that. And I cannot <laughs> wait to see what you do next, man. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. So, All right, William. Cool. Take care. All right, thank you to Matthew and William for joining me. Matthew's new film, Argyle, is currently playing in theaters. Check that out. Or it's also going to be streaming on Apple TV Plus in a few weeks. William's new movie, Land of Bad, hits theaters on February 16th. That has my official recommend stamp. Um, I like that. B, it's great seeing you, dude. icon. Yep. B, good seeing you. Always good seeing you, buddy. Good luck uh, rolling out the rest of your interviews. I'll be sure to retweet that on Postgred Pod. Please follow us at Postgred Pod. We had a nice weekend. Uh, thanks to all the news we made via Matthew Vaughn. Follow us on TikTok as well. I post interview clips over there. Follow myself at Eric underscore Ital and Cade at Cade underscore Onder. He might have quit on me and not told me. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Cade. Uh, follow Brandon at great underscore Catsby and all the work he does at Parrot Analytics. And we will talk to you in a couple days, weeks. It's up to me. All right, y'all. Peace. Maximus Decimus Meridius.